0: We're going to read the Bible now. Uh, we're reading from James chapter 1, uh, verses, uh, verses 1 to 11. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. I encourage you to have your Bibles with you, uh, as we will look at these verses, but I will have uh, the, the verses up on the screen as I go as well. So James chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you but when you ask you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord such a person is a double-minded and is double-minded and unstable in all they do believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position but the rich should take pride in the humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant its blossoms falls it's blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business well let's uh let's pray again and as we are as we come to this uh, this passage. Father God, thank you for the book of James. Thank you that you have given us this letter to... Uh, really impart wisdom to us in many ways but also to challenge us in these trials that we are now facing and as we look at an introduction lord as we consider all that you've given us father god we pray that you will uh, give us great courage to enter this letter with great assurance and that we will be blessed uh, by it and we pray this in jesus name amen well which team do you follow I think that's a question that Aussies uh, ask all the time. We love our sport, and there's plenty of our sports, which you might ask that of. There's AFL, there's Rugby League, there's soccer, there's netball, there's baseball, basketball, rugby union, uh, even Kidditch for those who don't like real sports and uh, would rather a Harry Potter novel. Which team do you follow? Well, there's thousands of different sports. There's thousands of different teams. There's thousands of different jerseys, probably millions. And the question is, have you ever invested enough to buy a jersey in that team? Is that how committed you are? But there's a bigger question when you've bought the jersey in the team that you've decided to follow. And that question is this. Is that jersey authentic? Is that jersey authentic or is it a replica? You see, there's, uh, there's many uh, different jerseys that get given and you can buy, but is yours authentic? See, authentic jerseys are certainly worth more they're the exact same shirt that the professional, professionals are using on the sporting field. They are a performance fit. They are made to maximise the ability to play the game. The material is usually higher quality to promote breathability. They are usually lightweight. They have a small patch to verify their authenticity. But as you can see from that photo, you can't always tell whether something is authentic or a replica. Well, a replica, well, they're more relaxed in their fit. Uh, they have a bit more breathability. The logo is often uh, a little different. And the thing about replicas is that, they, uh, is that the replica, well, it's really made for the fans in the stand, They're not made for the people playing the game. They're made for the fans who are watching the game. So the question is, is do you wear an authentic jersey or a replica? But what about your faith in Jesus? Have you put on an authentic faith or are you playing a replica faith in the game of Jesus? Are you watching from the stands with your replica or are you on the field playing the game with the authentic jersey? Well, over the weeks ahead, we'll be challenged over and over again about the differences between an authentic faith and a replica faith a faith which watches from the stands. And we're going to be challenged about our faith. And this morning, we're going to look at the first chapter of James, which really orientates us to the letter. Now, often James is thought of just a a bunch of different teachings put together in a way that doesn't seem to have structure. Some people say it's the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. Martin Luther, the great reformer, took a quite, uh, quite a dislike to James in many ways. And he once said uh, and accused James of throwing things together chaotically. But I believe James 1 is introducing three main themes in the letter, which are then expanded upon and broken up in the rest of the letter in a quite a, uh, quite a, a structured way. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to briefly look at who James is. We're going to look at the people uh, that he was writing the letter to. And then we're going to look at how he introduces the three main themes. So have a look at verses uh, 1 and 2 there, uh, or verse 1 to start with. We'll just look at verse 1. And it says this. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations... Greetings. Well, it's well accepted that James wrote this letter, and generally that there were three Jameses it could have been, but most people have uh, come to the conclusion it wasn't the two apostles uh, which were also named James, but this is actually the brother of Jesus, Jesus's half brother, the son of Joseph and Mary. Uh, We confirmed that he existed in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. And we also know from Acts uh, that he became quite a prominent figure in the church. In Acts 15, he was at the forefront of the Jerusalem church. He was an elder there as there was discussions around what to do with the Gentiles who were coming to faith. There was a big push from the Jewish Christians, which this letter has been written to a big push to have them circumcised, to have to fulfill the requirements of the law. Well, James was at the forefront there to say, no, they shouldn't be circumcised. It is now uh, it is now salvation by faith through grace, uh, by grace through faith and uh, and in Christ, and that they should just be encouraged to leave their old way of life. Now, I want you to notice, Uh, here in James uh, chapter 1, that he says that he is the servant of God and of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's fascinating about that is that this is the brother of Jesus and very few letters actually mention both the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word for servant here is really an emphasis on being a slave. See, James saw Jesus as his master, the Messiah, the Savior of God. Now think about how significant this is. I'm not sure if you've got any friends or you, maybe you have a brother yourself. Um, I, I know that whenever two brothers get in a room, I've got mates who have brothers and I'm friends with both of them. If anyone's going to claim anything about themselves, the other brother is going to shoot them down because they know the realities. They've grown up with this guy. They know his flaws. They know what he's he's capable of and not capable of. And I tell you, if anyone was going to shoot Jesus down in flames, it was going to be his own brother, the guy he possibly shared a room with at home growing up. Now, I don't have brothers and sisters, uh, brothers, but I have three sisters, and it's different. I've got two boys at home at the moment, and sibling rivalry is a real thing. And I have no doubt it would have happened in Jesus' home. And I tell you, the fact that his brother is bowing to him, calling him Lord, and declaring himself a slave, well, that's significant. Well, who are... Uh, who are the readers here? Well, we're told uh, that they are the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. 12 tribes scattered among the nations. See, this letter is primarily focused towards those Jews who had become Christians, messianic Jews who believed Jesus was the promised one of God. Uh, they would have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire and possibly beyond that, and have formed into Jewish Christian congregations. Uh, This may partly have been after the stoning of Stephen in Acts 8, but it was also persecution at the hands of the Jews and even the hands of the Romans. But we do know that during the 20 or so uh, years that James was a leader of the Christian church, it wasn't just a scattering, there were great trials throughout the land, A great famine, uh, which led to great poverty. And then there was the great persecution by the Jewish leaders. So the fact that James starts his letter, as we'll look at in a moment, uh, addressing the trials and the temptations of Christians is significant because chances are there were a lot of people in poverty. And I think in our world right now, as we've had lockdowns and people are suffering economic hardship and there's all sorts of issues going on uh, in our lives, be it mental health that's being put under the pressure test uh, of being isolated. Uh, This is a great letter uh, written to Christians who were suffering in many ways. Well, there's three main themes of the letter and now... Uh, for the sake of remembering them, I've come up with three W's. Uh, Firstly, what is authentic faith in weakness or in trials and temptations? But we'll stick with weakness. What is authentic faith in wisdom? And what is authentic faith in wealth? And I just want to point out, and I'm not going to harp on this, but the way James has really written this letter, whether it was intentionally or not, uh, there's a lot of debate, but there's really through those three themes are then broken down into three areas. He states that theme in the first 11 verses. Uh, you can see it broken down there. And then he uh, introduces it at more length uh, in, the, in, the, in the second half from verse 12 to verse 27 of chapter 1. And then the main body of the letter from uh, chapter 2 to the, almost the end of chapter 5, he deals with them again, although he reverses the order, as you can see there. So there's weakness or trials and temptations. Uh, there's wisdom and there's, and there's wealth. How, what is authentic uh, faith in these three things? Well, I'd like you to turn uh, to verses two to four of James chapter one, where we're just going to now go through those three uh, main areas that he's introducing. We're not going to spend a great deal of time in them today. We're going to come back and have a greater look as we go into the main body of the letter. But I do want to introduce you to these three main themes. And if you turn to chapter uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, you'll see here uh, that James addresses trials and temptations or weakness. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, Not lacking anything. Now, I believe James begins with the great paradoxes of the Christian faith. When you are struggling, when you're suffering through trials, when the the evil one is tempting you in your life to go against all that God has asked you to do, well, consider it pure joy. Now that's so paradoxical to our world. Uh, Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians, the paradox of wisdom of the of the Christian life. In Philippians, Paul says he him he himself writing the letter from prison to rejoice in our trials. So the people James is writing to will be suffering terribly, famine, persecution, poverty. And he's telling them, to rejoice. So the most natural of questions when we're going through difficult times and you may be asking the very question now as you go through COVID, we ask the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is hanging on to our faith worth it? Well, James says, yes, it is. But more than that, Rejoice in what's going on. Why? Because your faith is being proved worthy. See, verse 3, he says, "Faith, your faith is being tested. And the rejoicing comes because there is nothing more rewarding than staring down the enemy that is tempting you and praising God in the midst of those who are persecuting you standing firm and putting on the full armor of God, as Paul says in Ephesians 6. See, rejoice because perseverance in your weakness, in your trials, in your temptations, produces a maturity of faith. And down in verse 12, in the introduction, James says it will lead to receiving the crown of life that the Lord has promised those With authentic faith, one of the ways that you can prove whether a diamond, uh, whether a diamond is uh, authentic or not, is to apply it under heat so it becomes extremely hot, and then put it in icy cold water. See, as you probably know, that if you're washing up and you've used really hot water. Uh, then, then you put that glass and you put glass in a hot water and then you put it straight into cold water, it'll crack. Well, if you apply the same pressure to a diamond, it won't crack. But if it's a fake, a cubic zirconia or it's glass, then it will break. See, an authentic diamond can withstand the heat. A fake diamond can't. Under the heat of trials and temptations, authentic faith will stand firm. It will not crack. It will be proven to be worthy. So perhaps we can see COVID as this. See, history shows that no generation is without trials, without temptations, without struggles. We are being exposed by this virus. The heat on churches, on Christians, and on our faith. It's another level being applied. Our world's moving to a secular world. Our schools are pushing us out. And here's another thing to put us under pressure. Well, are you standing firm? See, I know you love watching me on TV and so many of you have said how they enjoy getting up on a Sunday morning and you make your coffee and you turn the TV on and there I am, boom. And I've even seen uh, pictures of me on Facebook as disturbing as it is with a TV at the end of your bed with your slippers and my face in your bedroom. I don't know how disturbing, there couldn't be much more disturbing. But in a sense you think of that picture of us doing church with our coffee and our slippers and our and our dressing gowns and I know you don't have much choice about this right now but I worry that that's actually how we can easily do church even when covid and isolation and lockdown isn't here it might not be in our beds but where we come on a sunday we get our coffee we sit down we, we receive, we have a bit of a grumble if it's not what we like. But hey, you know, we're generally happy and we go on our merry way in our dressing gowns and our slippers. So the question is, is that is your faith authentic? And it's in these times where we need to stand firm in our faith, but more than that, to rejoice. Because as we move through this covid We don't just stop being Christian. We don't just stop doing the work of the kingdom. It just needs to happen in other ways. Be creative. Look for ways to express your faith. Remain holy. Don't be tempted. Resist the temptation of the devil and he will flee from you. So whether it's COVID or many other trials happening in your life, rejoice because your faith has been proven as authentic. Well, the second major theme James introduces is authentic faith in wisdom. If you just have a look at uh, verses 5 to 8 there, he says, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, See, wisdom has always held a great place amongst God's people. The Old Testament is filled with books of wisdom, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes. King Solomon was praised for asking God for wisdom and not wealth and riches. Wisdom is living in accordance with right reality. That is living in the way that God has created you to live In his creation, living God's way in God's creation, to live out His image on the earth. See, wisdom is more than knowledge; it is an understanding that expresses itself through action. And the way it's able to do this is by uh, is knowing God and living according to His way. But you must know Him first. And you know him through his word and through prayer. Wisdom is holiness. Wisdom is righteousness. And the book of James is very much focused on wisdom. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. See, James says in chapter 1, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, then ask God. Why? Because God is wisdom. But he warns us in verses 6 to 8, don't doubt that God will give you that wisdom. Otherwise you will be double minded. See what James is saying is that sometimes we don't really think God will give us what we ask for. We pray but we doubt, so we go seeking wisdom elsewhere. Please help me through navigate this time, Lord. Oh, but I'll go and read a self help book because I don't really think you've got the answers. I don't really have that amount of trust in you. Don't be double minded. Be completely resolute. Be completely one minded as you enter into prayer and enter into the scriptures, seeking God's wisdom to navigate through the trials and the temptations and whatever it is that you're facing in life. See, authentic faith both believes God can and will give us wisdom, but it also desires wisdom. We need to prayerfully be entering into the Word of God, expecting with great anticipation, great wisdom. Now, at the end of this chapter, uh, he gives us some great snippets of wisdom, which we're going to look at uh, at greater detail over the coming weeks. But listen to some of these wonderful bits of wisdom. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. Get rid of all moral filth. Humbly plant the word in you. Keep a tight rein on your tongue. Care for the widow and orphan in their distress. So, these are elements of wisdom and outward expression of living in the reality of the world under God's rule and God's reign. Authentic faith perseveres in its weakness but it is also wise. Well, the third main theme here uh, that James covers is authentic faith expresses itself in its wealth, whether poverty or whether riches. Just have a look at chapter 1, verses 9 to 11 there. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Now, is there anything more relevant to our cashed-up, wealthy Western world than our wealth and dealing with our wealth. See, everything is geared in our culture to economic growth, to prosperity, to productivity, to wealth creation. You know, we see this entering in to the churches in so many levels. They say, oh, blessing means that God will give you a wealthy, productive, economically growing life. It's called syncretism. We're syncretizing the the, the wisdom of the world with God's truth. And so we don't want to face the reality of what God says about our wealth, and so we syncretize it with the wisdom of the world. See, James is saying that that's the very danger of wealth. He says there uh, at the end of verse 11, we go about our business and it will fade away. We're so busy trying to achieve prosperity and trying to achieve wealth that we put the most important and most valuable things to the side. And one day, at a time that you will never know, God will take your life away from you. And then your investment In the things of the earth, as Jesus says, the things where moth and rust will be destroyed, well, they'll be shown for what they are. See, James is saying that wealth is a great danger because God has given it to you for the kingdom of God. He has given it to you for his glory, for his kingdom. See, the pride you have in your riches and declaring how much God has blessed you because you have a bigger house and a bigger car means you've missed the point. And it's actually an outward representation that you have missed wisdom. But don't be so assured of yourself if you don't have those riches. The problem with poverty is that we can spend our life wishing that we had them that we don't find the contentment in the things that God has given us. We succumb to the world and we feel that we are humiliated because we don't have those things. For when you are in Jesus, James says, that's not the case. You take pride in your high position in verse 9. Why does he say this? Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position? Well, because the most valuable possession that you have is your salvation. You will be crowned with glory beyond worldly measure. In fact, your inheritance is the inheritance of the kingdom of God itself. You are a child of God. Don't go seeking worldly riches and miss that you are already rich in Christ. But even more than this, God has said that he will provide everything that you need. Not what you want, not what you desire, but what you need. There's not a hair that falls from my head, and that's plenty of hair, that God doesn't know about. He says that even if he looks after the food of the birds surely he will look after you. Look at the lilies they are crowned with more they are dressed with more splendor than Solomon. But no put your efforts into the very thing that is your great riches and that is the kingdom of God that you have inherited and that you will inherit in the day to come. Pour your energy into the true kingdom of your inheritance. See, what other promise do we really need to be satisfied, content, and at peace than that God will provide what we need? This week I've been going through in my devotions, One Kings, and we come across Elijah. God sends him to the widow of Zarephath. She's not even part of Israel. Zarephath's outside of Israel. But he goes, and she's preparing the last meal that she has for her and her son because she's got nothing left. She's preparing it because she's about to die with her son of starvation. Elijah says, make me some food with that. What has she done out of her faith and her respect for the man of God? She makes him food out of what she's got left. Or then uh, God blesses her with all that she needs. flour that never runs out, oil that never runs out. See, you rich people, what is authentic faith with your riches? Well, we're told here it's to look after the poor, those in need, with your wealth. And I can guarantee that there's very few of us who aren't rich in our culture here. Verse 27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So, the widow that put in the few coins out of her poverty and Jesus draws attention to her, surely she'll never be forgotten. But all those riches they're put in, into the treasury out of their abundance, well, we don't know who they are. See, this is, the, this is the wisdom in how to use your riches for the kingdom of God. Don't get caught up in a day where you're going about your business and you haven't paid any heed to the kingdom of God. See, authentic faith... Is worn by those, par- authentic faith is worn by those who are part of the game, not by those who are looking on from the sidelines. That faith is a replica, it's an imitation, it's not authentic. And throughout the churches all over the world, both are there. The question for us as we lead into James is do you have authentic faith? Have you put on the authentic jersey of Christ and you are on the field playing the game, playing it out in your weaknesses, playing it out in wisdom, and playing it out with your wealth? Well, I trust this week as even when you're isolated, you have great opportunity to express an authentic faith in your weakness, wisdom, and wealth as we seek to honor God with our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that this wonderful book introduces us to how to live authentic faith. And Father, as we go into this week, we pray that you bless us that you keep us, that you make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us, and that you give us your peace. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.